you beyond the borderline this is a podcast dedicated to exploring in a realistic and hopeful way what it's like to live with borderline personality disorder and other mental health problems. My name is Aline and I am your host for this podcast. I want to issue a proviso at the beginning of the podcast which is that this is absolutely not a substitute for professional mental health and or medical intervention. So please seek out those sources of support if you need them. And I also want to mention that I will be discussing topics such as self-harm and suicidal ideation and addiction that may be triggering for a number of people. I aim not to discuss those topics in a detailed way as I don't really think that adds anything to the discussion and does not really fit in with the mission of this podcast. However, in a spirit of being authentic about my life with borderline personality disorder, those topics will be mentioned in this and subsequent episodes. And I will do my best to issue trigger warnings before I start discussions about those or other potentially triggering topics. I wanted to let you know that I found this episode on splitting a really difficult one to get through. Part of the reason is that I'm going through some life changes at the moment, including starting a new training course and leaving a part-time job. Um, Those changes have definitely impacted on my ability to focus on doing this episode and getting it out. However, The difficulty I had was also to do with the topic. I've done a fair amount of work on myself and that includes learning how to reduce my episodes of splitting and also to reduce the impulsive reactions that I used to have all the time when I split people and situations and myself too. So I went into this thinking, well, this isn't going to be that much of an issue for me. I've got a handle on this. However, I didn't realise how much it was going to bring up for me. And while I was writing part of the episode and recording it, I started to have some really unpleasant and quite painful judgments of myself related to the fact that splitting is a symptom of BPD, which I have. Given that a lot came up for me when I recorded this episode, I wanted to issue a gentle trigger warning, which is that if you're not feeling especially grounded at the moment, the compassionate option might be to give this episode a miss and come back to it later. If you listen to it and you find that it's bringing up something for you, please do take the opportunity to pause it and come back to it later. And always remember that you can contact me on Twitter. I will give my Twitter handle at the end of the episode. In case you have any questions or comments or feedback, I think having a dialogue is important as long as it's respectful and constructive. Okay, on to the show. This episode is devoted to a controversial topic, which is splitting. 
Splitting is a symptom of borderline personality disorder. What does it look like? Well, it may look different from person to person, but before I explain in a general way what splitting is, let me say that I had several Twitter requests for this episode, and that tells me that splitting is something many of us with BPD want help with. So in this episode, I will share some of the tools, tips and strategies that have helped me to reduce splitting and also, as importantly, in my opinion, to reduce my impulsive reactions to the black and white thinking and intense emotionality that comes with splitting. Now, before I continue, let me say that splitting is a tough subject for me personally because it is a BPD symptom that has caused me and at times others around me quite a bit of distress. It has cost me relationships and jobs and it has contributed to episodes of self-harm and suicidal ideation on many occasions. Before getting into how I deal with splitting from a non-clinical peer perspective, I do need to define what splitting is. In essence, splitting is a defence strategy learnt in childhood. It allows us to suppress emotions like hurt and sadness. For example, if someone you care about a lot and regard very highly says no to something you ask of them, by flipping from thinking of them in idealised positive terms as all good to thinking of them as all bad, You temporarily suppress feelings of hurt or sadness, which are both understandable and everyday human emotions about being turned down. Rather than think, I care about this person and when they said no, I felt hurt, splitting is thinking, I thought they were amazing and now I hate them. In an article in The Mighty, author Sarah Cooper, who has BPD, writes, It's a reaction to the fear of abandonment, the hurt and rejection I cannot face. The idea of being rejected is so abhorrent to me, it's easier to just tell myself the person was evil and everything they ever did was part of some sick plot to humiliate, hurt or upset me. Does that sound familiar to you? Have you ever seesawed from loving someone intensely to hating them in the blink of an eye? For those of us with BPD, a seemingly inconsequential reaction like being told, sorry, I can't meet you tomorrow to see a movie can feel like a massive rejection. The fact is that people with BPD generally experience emotions more intensely than other people. And even if rationally we know that the rejection is not that big of a deal, our emotions tell us otherwise. I can't tell you how many times I interpreted a friend's behaviour as an extreme betrayal deliberately intended to cause me pain and then decided we couldn't be friends anymore. And I can't tell you because of my self-judgments about splitting how many times I overlooked and discounted my emotions when I was actually being treated poorly or unfairly, which left me feeling confused and desperate. For example, in situations where I was being exploited interpersonally, 
I would find myself telling myself, oh, you overreact all the time, you're too emotional, you're crazy, the other person must be right. So for me personally, splitting is a symptom which prevents me from having rewarding long-term relationships. It also causes me to experience self-loathing and loneliness and it can lead to self-harm. If you experience splitting, one question that I recommend you ask yourself is what does it cost you? And another question I recommend you ask yourself is what do you get out of it? Because the reality is that any behaviour as painful as it may be, has a payoff. And any pattern of thinking, as painful as it may be, has a payoff. One payoff might be avoiding hurt. So if you feel hurt and rejection so intensely that they literally cut you right to your heart, which is how I can experience hurt and rejection as someone with BPD, then it would make sense that you have a defence strategy, even if it's unconscious and it's habitual, that protects you from that. The problem is, like many defence strategies, is that splitting can also cost you a lot. As I mentioned, relationships would be one example. Another one would be jobs. I've certainly lost jobs because I haven't been able to sustain relationships in work and I've flipped from loving the people I work with to hating them or loving the job to hating it and have walked out of a job causing myself all kinds of problems. One of the first things I found I needed to do in regard to splitting was to take a non-judgmental stance, which is something that I have learned through peer self-study of dialectical behavioural therapy. Now, what do I mean by taking a non-judgmental stance? Well, let me give you an example. Telling myself, I shouldn't be doing this. I'm a bad person. Why can't I stop this? I'm a failure. Are super judgmental and frankly, they will just make things worse. But how about instead if I were to say to myself, well, like shortness of breath in someone with asthma, Splitting is one of my symptoms. I have BPD and it's a symptom of a mental health condition that I struggle with. It has a reason, it has a purpose, which is to protect me from intense and painful emotions. At the same time, it also costs me things and it makes my life unmanageable. It may feel super clunky at first to reframe a judgmental way of thinking about splitting into something a bit more non-judgmental. Yet in my experience as a peer, that is a crucial part of starting to look at the fact that you split, accept it and find ways to reduce its negative effects in your life. 
So what you could do is to describe the way that you split in a non-judgmental way. You could start by identifying whether you experience splitting and figure out what it does for you and what it costs you. If you like, write out a pros and cons list of splitting. Describe your experience of splitting to yourself in a consciously non-judgmental way. And notice if you often think in terms of good, bad, always, never and other extremes. For example, I will never be able to change this. This is who I am. I can't do this. No one will ever understand me. Take a minute to consider, is that actually true? Let's say I will never be able to change. Think about this. Is there a time in your life when you change something? Have you seen other people change things? Do you have scientific evidence that you can't change? Or is it easier to say, well, I will never change than to admit that change may take time, be challenging and at times involve failure? Have a think about it. Another way of expressing this might be to say, for example, I want to change this behaviour. I'm scared I won't be able to and I'm willing to try. Or I really want to change this behaviour and at the moment I'm not willing to try. Once you have decided for yourself that it might help to work on managing and reducing your splitting episodes, you're going to need some practical tools and tips on how to do that. I'm going to share a few tips that have helped me and as always these are just suggestions, primarily learnt through peer study of dialectical behavioural therapy skills and through seeing a therapist. The first thing that I would recommend when you're aware that you're in a splitting episode or you're getting to the point where you're going to start splitting someone is that before you do anything that could make the situation worse you stop and I mean that very literally as in do not do anything you can have the outburst or walk away or do whatever you're impulsively drawn to do in two minutes time or three minutes time but for now just stop stop is also an acronym for a dbt skill so the s would be stop take a step back i think observe what can happen for those of us with bpd is when we're in a really heightened state of emotion we start seeing things in a really extreme way and sometimes that one minute or two minutes can really make a difference in bringing us down to earth a little bit and helping us to see, for example, okay, this person doesn't really hate me and they're not out to get me. 
events. So maybe having a massive outburst at them or storming out or doing something else isn't necessarily what's going to be the appropriate response in this situation. Same thing applies in the situation of sending texts or sending emails. I can't count the number of times I've been on the verge of sending a really nasty email to someone or text and I've just been like, wait a minute, not calm down actually, I was going about to say calm down but I don't think that's really helpful, just stop, just just don't do it right at this minute. So that, that would be my first big, big tip and someone on Twitter, if you're out there, hi, I'm not going to mention your Twitter handle because I didn't explicitly get permission from you to do so said something which I thought was really interesting I'd mentioned the stop skill or tip to them and they responded that if they use that they would just walk away forever and not come back it sounded like they they even pausing would just send them to the opposite extreme what it sounds like is that and I do this too I get to that state of emotion where I'm so wound up and so overstimulated, if you will, that it becomes about A or B, it becomes really black and white. Like, either we're going to have this huge fight or I'm leaving and I'm never going to come back. And those are both extremes. Maybe I'm saying this to myself and to everyone who might be listening, you know, maybe in those few moments where you pause, just think about what are some other options aside from the the extremes, because if you're in that black and white mode, usually you're thinking in extremes. So it could be, okay, well, I'm not going to walk away forever. I'm going to take a break for a couple of days, or I'm going to say, you know what, I need to leave right now and I'll have to contact you later. Or it could be, actually, I'm really angry and I need to talk about this, but now is not the right time. Those, those are some options I'm sure you have your own that could be helpful. Thank you for that, that comment. The other tip that I want to offer you is something that I would use once I have reduced my emotional intensity. So it's not something for me that would be very helpful when I'm in that state of intensity. So I use the stop method where I'm just like, don't do anything, wait. And then I do something if necessary to distract myself, cleaning my flat, listening to some music. I throw myself into a different mindset or a different emotional state as quickly as possible. And sometimes something really kind of monotonous, I find, will help with that. I know I've heard of some people who do things like do multiplication tables in their head. Or cleaning or watching a film, whatever's accessible to you and whatever you think would, would distract you. Going for a walk. Once you've reduced the intensity of the emotion through some form of distraction that works for you. My tip is then to work consciously on doing what I mentioned a few moments ago, which is finding alternatives to those two extremes. 
if a friend of mine does something to indicate to me that they don't think that my goals for my jewellery making are achievable, my opinion is that they've done something to indicate that. I don't know that for a fact. They they may have been thinking that they don't believe in my jewellery goals. They may not have. The The point is that I, I can't mind read, so I don't know. My two extremes might be, oh my God, my jewellery's goals are crap. And, you know, because I've seen something in that person that I think might mean that they're thinking that I then decide that all my goals that I've worked on surrounding my jewellery are just useless. So that would be one extreme. Another extreme might be to go, you know what, I'm finished with that friendship. That person doesn't care about me. They don't value me. That might be another extreme. Another sort of extreme reaction might be to start really confronting the person angrily and going, how dare you think that about my jewellery when I really don't have much indication that that's what they're thinking. So so those are three extremes. And when I've got a little bit of space from the emotional intensity, I'm in a better position to really start thinking what would be in this situation uh, a useful response. It's not about discounting my feelings. So if I feel hurt, well, I feel hurt. I can't help that. That's how I feel. And another thing that is clear is that my jewellery goals are important to me. And even though I don't know 100% whether I'm going to be able to achieve them exactly in the way that I want to, they are important to me. So, so that's something else that I would find really useful to validate. I think what I would do next is to, to consider the relationship. Now, if I was in, in an intimate partnership with someone, I might be more inclined to actually address this with them because it would be important to me that the person I was involved with romantically if I, if I was in a long-term relationship it would be important to me that they had some belief in one of my goals that's very important to me so I might ask them and say look you know I got the sense that you don't really you have some sort of skepticism about what I'm trying to do with my jewellery I'm just wondering why that is or you know what what's going on there I wouldn't necessarily raise that with with a friend uh, I might be a little careful in future about talking about jewellery stuff with her because I don't know exactly what her thoughts are about it and it may be that I want to talk to someone else about my jewellery goals who's going to really support me and be actively encouraging. At the same time, this particular friend, I might get a loss out of talking about different things with her and doing different things with her. So the friendship is valuable to me. It's not an all or nothing thing. I hope you found some of these tips and anecdotes and suggestions helpful. Please remember that as with any journey or process of change, starting to examine and reduce and manage splitting behaviour takes time. It's not a linear process in my experience. So it's a case of trying and learning more about yourself as you go along. I realised that I needed to take some steps to reduce my splitting episodes because as I mentioned in the podcast earlier on, I realised that 
not only were they gravely affecting my quality of life, they also were causing me to act in ways that left me feeling really bad about myself and feeling shame and feeling lowered self-esteem. And I wanted to feel better about myself. I didn't want to suffer as much as I was suffering when I split and reacted from that place of extreme emotion. Thank you for listening. Before I go, I wanted to let you know that this podcast is now on Apple Podcasts. So if you have a minute or so and you got something out of this podcast episode, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a review because that helps the podcast to get more visibility and to reach people who might benefit from it. Also, before I go, you will have probably noticed that the intro music is different. That's because of copyright issues now that the podcast is available outside of Anchor, which is where it was originally published. In order for the music to be heard, it needs to be copyright free. So the music you heard at the beginning of the show is by Kevin MacLeod. The track is called Raw and it is included in this podcast under a Creative Commons license. Don't forget, if you want to share any feedback, suggestions, comments, you can do so by tweeting me at beyond the B-O-R-D-E three. So that's beyond the border, all one word, except the last letter R would be replaced by a three. So that's Again, at beyond the B-O-R-D-E-3. You can also just search for Beyond the Borderline on Twitter. Thanks again for listening. And if you have suggestions for future episodes that you want covered, please let me know via Twitter. Take care and I wish you a peaceful next 24 hours and at the very least a few peaceful moments in the coming day.